Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. Welcome back to the Detroit Is Different podcast studios. And I'm kicking things off with an interview I've been wanting to have for a while. A lot of times people think that... um, Detroit is different. It's for artists or uh, different business people or people that lead organizations and movements. Really, it's supposed to tell the stories of the culture of Detroit. And I think someone that really sees a lot of the culture of Detroit, and I've been wanting to interview, and and this won't be my last one either because it's an open call now after this one. People that drive the D-Dot, that move the freight. I figure, like, uh, driving that bus, you on the pulse face-to-face with every nook and cranny of Detroit, so many different types of Detroiters, like, and just even traveling the city, you can see so much. So I got somebody that's a driver that was a driver, I should say, retired driver. So he probably going to be able to keep it a whole lot more real with, with us and everything here. <laughs> Mr. Charles Wilson, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Oh, man, everything is cool. Everything is cool. So All right. as I say, man, the, the, the feel of a driver in the city is uh that's that's key man that that's key uh bus driving uh east i'm guessing west how long were you a bus driver I was a bus driver for 10 years okay that's a decade you put in a dime man yeah yep sure did all right so before we get into that let's get into your detroit story um <laughs> were you um now i know you stay another place yeah but was your family uh did you grow up in detroit was your family already here in detroit what led you and your people to detroit well my mom and dad were from both from Detroit, so I was born in Detroit. Okay, okay. So I, you know, I stayed here for till I was sixty-five. I didn't leave. Mm. I stayed here sixty-five years, from okay. nineteen fifty <clears throat> to two thousand fifteen. Okay, so that's that's a grip, man. You you saw a lot. Oh uh, yes. Within it, if you were born in fifty, that means that you were uh, seventeen with the with the rebellion. With the riots. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we had a good time during the riots. All right. So even before we get into that, your family before <laughs> they were already here. Uh, yes. Who was the first people from your family that made their way to the city? Well, my grandfather. Okay, mother you know, side, dad side. Yeah, he was he was from Alabama. Whereabouts? Like Mobile, mm, around in there. Okay. He, um, he and a lot of other brothers left the South when Ford Motor Company said, come on up here and work in the factory. I'll pay you $5 a day. Okay. The brothers left the mules in the field. They mm-hmm. was on their way straight to Detroit. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Put down that. Uh, Get that money. Put down that, the agricultural work. Yes. Is, oof, that's tough. I'm not yes. saying industrial work is easy, but. No. It ain't, I don't think it's, it's in the same vein of hard work it's a different game trust Mm -hmm. me so uh what neighborhood did did your people move to when they got here well uh my grandfather stayed over in black bottom for a while Mm. um he told me some stories from that part that really was kind of weird but i mean you know i'm assuming when he got the black bottom just knowing the tracks of detroit there's so many detroiters from alabama shout out coleman young and so many others he probably got up there and, and was like, this feel like it's Alabama still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was it was something back then. I I was a kid, but, um, yeah, 
Black Bottom was in it was was where black people came that migrated from the South. Mm-hmm. They came to work in the factories in Detroit. Okay. You know, Ford Motor, General Motors, Chrysler. American you know, Motor. American Motors. All of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we we put the time in, trust me. So, uh, with that, your parents. Okay. In the neighborhood. Uh, the, your, your, you said your granddad started over in Black Bottom, probably made his way in other places. Yes. Where did... Um, where did your people? Where did your your people? Well, we grew up mostly on the west side of Detroit. Whereabouts? I want to say like Livernois. Living mm. <coughs> Livernois in what what area? Livernois and um, Warren. Okay. <coughs> yeah. Livernois and West Warren, over in that neighborhood. Okay. Okay, that's like it could be a couple neighbor. That could be Chatsy or that could be Northwestern. Right? That's right. Yeah. And I went to McKenzie. Oh, you went to the other one. Yes. <laughs> a stag. <Okay>. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Um, that neighborhood, what do you remember about that neighborhood growing up? Well, we got there like in like 50, I want to say like 58, 59. And there was still a lot of um, blacks were just starting to move to that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot, of, a lot of white people there. Mm-hmm. But they didn't bother us and we didn't bother them. Everybody yeah. was getting along fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we didn't have any gripes, and you know, as time went on, things changed, and the whole complexion of the city kind of flipped on us. Hmm. It was kind of it was kind of traumatic to tell the truth, hmm. <coughs> to see it happen the way it did, because hmm. it was it was basically a nice, peaceful town. I mean, you know, area. I went to McKenzie. Half the kids there were white. No problems. You know, nobody calling each other out their name or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. We just existed. Mm-hmm. And uh, as time went on, things changed. And it got, it got real bad. It got worse. Hmm. So, you know, uh, you, you live with it and you just keep moving it. Hmm. Uh, by the time I got to drive a bus, well... <laughs> The bus driving thing was was an adventure, and I was I was gonna transition into that mm. it, from so after McKenzie, where do you? Uh, it, okay, usually I ask this too. Your mom and dad. What did your mom and dad do? My mom and dad lived on the west side, mm-hmm. and they were both from Detroit. Mm-hmm. He went to Northwestern. He went, she went to Northwestern. Okay, you should have been a coat man. <laughs> Should have been a coat. <laughs> if they had anything to do it, I probably would have been. Okay, what um, what did they do? Uh, what were their uh, what what work was uh, your mom? My dad, my dad was a, like like a nurse, mm-hmm. male nurse back in the day. Okay, my mom was back in those days. It was the thing for women was housewives. Okay, they stayed in and watched the kids and did the housework and that kind of thing. How many brothers and sisters? I got two sisters. Okay, two sisters. You the oldest? Yes. Okay. All right. So you were always watching over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Okay. So from there, you graduate. Yes, sir. After graduation, what's your journey? My journey is I jumped to the Air Force for a little while. Mm. And th- and this is around, if you're if, if I'm lining this up right, you'd have been in, you would have been serving in Vietnam almost like that. Yes, that's sir. In that space. Yes, sir. So you served. Yes, sir. In the Air Force. Yes, sir. Mm, okay. Interesting gig, but I mean, you know, 
you do what you got to do. Did uh did did you <coughs> actually have to see detail and then being a black uh being a black airman? Um, and, and this is still, I mean, even to this day, uh, actually, black airmen. It's it's a the Air Force. I think the Air Force and the Navy have a very like a lot of things in America when it comes to like relationship with black people like some of these institutions ain't ain't the same you know what I'm saying what was it like your experience well one thing about it when you're in a battle your color your race and all that stuff kind of disappears mm -hmm. all you want to do is survive mm. so everybody pitches in do what they got to do so you weren't uh, I guess uh, you weren't lucky enough to be one of those people like, hey, I'm going to just hang back and work on papers. You no. know, I'm going to I'm do, uh, uh -uh. do some paperwork no, here no. from D.C. and I'll make sure that you guys are good. Right. No, nothing like that. You actually saw, <laughs> you saw detail for real. Yes, sir. Mm. Wow. So, you know, you get through that. And like I said, bottom line is in the heat of a battle, mm -hmm. I don't care what color you are. As long as your rifle is aimed in the right direction, <laughs> we're going to get through this. Uh, I, <clears throat> and then being an airman, were, were most of your missions, were you uh, deploying, like were you dropping off troops, deploying? Like I'm thinking about like all the movies I watch and things like that. Were you like more in airstrikes? Were you delivering supplies? What, what you know, what was your... My job at was first, it the first anything? part of it was being a police officer, security police. Mm -hmm. You get away from that because you get a little tired of it. So then you end up in a position where you go, if I'm going to be in a fight, I'm going to take all the training that I can get to survive. Mm. So you jump into something a little different mm -hmm. and you get into tactical support. You get into an area where you, you go places where you got no business being. Mm -hmm. Some pilot crashed over in Cambodia. Mm. He ain't had no business over there, right? That, I would I would assume Cambodia was not was in not, the conflict. That's right. Mm -hmm. So you got to hurry and go get him. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, that, that was most of, like, the last year or so. Go get these guys out of, out of the bush and get them back stateside. Get them wow. back, you know. How did, um, and it's unique, I've been watching a lot of documentaries. Uh, how, how did, how were you, were you all aware uh, of of the point and position of most of most of these soldiers because it's a lot of bush out there it's a lot of mountains I mean yeah. strategically uh, now understanding in the strategies it uh, the Viet Cong use the terrain and the environment to their advantage, to their advantage. they, it was their they use that as as really like almost the key weapon against in this that's yeah. right well, yeah. yeah they had they had it together mm -hmm. and you know Americans for the most part we weren't used to that. Mm -hmm. You know, they had tunnels underground, all sorts of stuff. So it was ugly. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you do the best you can to get through it. Um, yeah. And and a lot of the guys, I'm, I'm guessing, um, because people were so, I mean, you, you were still fresh and young, man. That's, oh, that's really yeah. young. Yeah. And you're taking on, like, some heavy things man heavy things um how did how did that transition from that and it's a blessing that you made it out of that yeah how did you adjust and, and transition to back to getting back here in the community well i tell you 
a lot of a lot of faith, mm-hmm. a lot of prayer, a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. You can get you can get through it. Okay, but it ain't easy. Okay, so you 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 pray over it. You wait, and you just keep on moving it. Hmm. It, it, it. You'll get over it. It ain't easy, cause they don't do a lot of. They don't do a lot of debriefing. When you leave that lifestyle, at that at least back then, there wasn't a lot of sit down. Oh, let me get you a coffee. Let me rub your feet. None of that. Yeah. You get back in here. Send you back to Detroit. Pick up where you left off. And and, and as you're saying that, like I do sometimes in these interviews, I had a. Uh, <laughs> One of my friends, I really liked her. We dated for a little bit in high school. And she was so, like, she was such a girly, girly girl, you know, <laughs> in, in the sense of, like, it. and I'm saying that for, like, her, you would think uh, for everybody watching, like, Whitley on a different world. And <laughs> yeah, dream. and she was in the reserves, and then this was during the time of the Iraqi conflict, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like that war doesn't even really have a name. It was just like. I don't even know, occupation, freedom or something. But yeah. connected to that, as she was a reserve, her her unit, she was offered, like, the, the monies for school and other things to go serve. Yep. She went, it changed her whole lifestyle. And she even told me, because she, she served um, three tours, like, back to back to back. And she ended up coming back, like, around, like, November. You know what I'm saying? Like, a little bit after Halloween. Okay. And she was talking to me, and she was like, it's just hard to understand and process this stuff. Like, y'all get mad over Christmas gifts and stuff. Like, y'all want iPods and stuff like that. She was like, some of the stuff I saw over there, like, I don't know if I can even think. Like, she she told the story, and it messed me up just hearing the story. She said it was a guy that had a grenade in his mouth. And he walked into like the uh, walked into like where they were all eating, like a like the 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 lunch space. Right. He hugged an American soldier, pulled the pin. It blew the guy up and like two other two soldiers. Yep. And she said, I was like right across like the lunch table from him almost. You know what I'm saying? So it's like she had, you know, body parts and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, something like that would. Pretty sure that traumatized me for, you know what I'm saying? Like it's hard to, it's hard to go from that to back to, you know, normal life. Yeah, and she was like, yeah, we sometimes have to stay up. Like really, you be up for 18 hours, and like your duty is to be like, yeah, you got to be up for real, like 18 hours. Ain't no eight hour shift. None. Nine to five doesn't exist. Because it's it's a it's a it's a tradition in life that just is outside of what I guess quote unquote normal life is of what we have, especially American life. Oh yeah. Where some of these spaces where uh America is aggressing and, and in these conflicts like certain things it, just lifestyle and culturally it's just different. Yeah it's different. You better know it is. Mm-hmm. And the thing of it is is that we have a tendency to throw a lot of young bodies at it. Yeah. Which is not in my best opinion is not the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of guys out here that have been there, back and forth, served all kind of tours, did all sorts of things. Green Beret, SEALs, those kind of guys. Hire them as contractors. They love to kill people. Mm. <laughs> they back over there. Mm-hmm. You take a guy straight out of high school, training for six weeks somewhere in Alabama, 
and send him over there? Mm-hmm. Come on. What do you expect? Yeah. It it, <laughs> it, it was deep. Um, another one of the pieces. I, I always thought that uh, the story of um, Frank Lucas was, it was like, you know, as interesting as American Gangster was. It was yeah. like, um, I'm like, this story of Frank Lucas is interesting, but I've kind of seen that. And, I mean, we keep seeing that. Like, yep. this, you know, savvy uh, drug dealer that outsmarts people. But I always was like, who is the soldier making this connection? And then I finally more, found more information about the Air Forceman Ike Atkinson that was based out of North Carolina, not far from the space where Frank Lucas was from. And his story was just like, I was like, wow, this is like so savvy the way that he kind of back to what my grandfather did, like use racism in a weird way to to like to take to to expand more of what his operation may be, just knowing that like, hey, this is a safe space for black soldiers to come mm-hmm. when you leave, you know, come over here in Thailand. And I had no idea. And it's like, nah, look at the map. I guess Vietnam and Thailand are right there. But that right was there. a place that, you know, a lot of the soldiers was like, okay, this is where we could party. But it was certain parties where it's like black soldiers are yes. here, white soldiers go there. there. And if you place with the black soldiers, you want to make a little bit of extra money, you know, throw this in your bag. And, yeah. you know, we, you know, work some stuff out. Well, yeah, that's the name of the game. It's the hustle. Yeah, and I, I it, his story, <clears throat> for people watching, his story was like, it was eye-opening. But it also kind of kept me in tune of like, a lot of guys, like what you're saying, they're like 19, 20. Yes. Like now, you know, are, are mur- uh, you know, killing on behalf of the state, which really probably in that position just for opportunity. Yes. <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? Still couldn't even get a beer here in America. But yep. over there, it's like, hey, we're working hard. We got to play hard. Like the the that whole industry that began building in Thailand just due to the war in Vietnam, kind of like, as you said, Cambodia. Like, it's yeah. a whole other industries that pop up outside of war. That's know. right. It's all sorts of things going on in the war. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> things that you probably wouldn't yeah, wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. But it's a, you know, you you, you got to keep your faith in God. You got you, you got certain things you have to do. Hmm. And once you, once you get past it, it's okay. You, you'll survive it. Now, now with that, I can only imagine the the what was the energy of a guy if if my plane goes down outside of I'm in Cambodia. I can only imagine you come to save us, save me. And my my, what was the response of a lot of those guys? Because it's almost like you were saving guys. You know, like, I'd assume that it, I, I think like it's a wrap right now, you know? Well, I mean, it, you know, most <laughs> fighter pilots mostly are officers, you know, and, and they carry a lot of information with them. So to keep that information out of enemy hands, to the extent that you can, if they're still alive and survive it, you try to go get them. Mm-hmm. You know, they have all sorts of... Well, believe me, they had GPS long, 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 long time ago. They had all kind of things that you could use mm-hmm. to figure out where these guys went down mm. so that you go in there and you go get them. Okay. If you get there and it you know, don't look good, you still bring the body out, but, you you know, that's all you do. But if they're, uh, if they're alive, you got it's your responsibility to get them back. So you go and get them back. Wow. So <clears throat> it's, it's like any other job. You go in there, get the job done, come on back. All right, now, with that, any other job, you come back, you're adjusting. 
where you where, where do you uh you weren't thinking okay now let me look at you know being a pilot with you know american nah. airlines or something like that nah. you were thinking from that perspective no nah, no nah. hmm. i like messing around with computers mm-hmm. <coughs> so that's what i did okay i got in the computer thing and i went from there i went to blue cross blue shield worked a little while there mm-hmm. and then i went to city of detroit drove the bus for 10 years all right now you know we about to stop there what led you even to think okay i I'll do this. I'll take this on. Well, at that time, bus drivers were big money guys. Hmm. They worked a lot of overtime, mm-hmm. and the pay wasn't bad. Okay. So you could, you know, I was working at Blue Cross Blue Shield. So what if you wear a suit and tie to work? Mm-hmm. You're not making you're not making a lot of money. Okay. So I got married. Two kids. I gotta go make money. I ain't got time to walk, dress and press. Let's go get this money. Okay. So I went and drove the bus. What was your first route? Believe it or not, I think it was Myers. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that was the first day out of training, Myers. Mm. First day out of training, I hit a car. So, I mean, you know. Oh, man. That was almost the end of me. But I- yeah, I was going to say, it was like, they, they were like, uh, I, know, I know when the car came in to the dispatch people, it was like, was like who did, did Wilson? Oh, it's like, they, that's his first day. First day. Mm. First day turn a corner, hit mm-hmm. a car. So, yeah. And I know you had a bus full of people like, oh, my no, God. No, man, wasn't nobody on the bus but me. And who was on the bus? About two or three people. That's it. Okay. Myers wasn't a real heavy line. That you was the, the, the test out route. Right. The you training try day route. Make sure yeah. you got it right. Okay. And, then you, you, and I blew it. Okay. So, at that point, do they do they start you? What, what gets you back on track? How you get back in the game? You just get back in. You just, you know, they – they talk to you and say, hey, man, uh, you know, you're not driving uh, your sister's car. Mm-hmm. This is a 40-foot-long piece of equipment that you got to keep your eyes on. That's okay. why you got mirrors over here mirrors over there. Mm-hmm. Watch what you're doing. Okay. So, yeah, they, 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 they don't beat you up too bad unless you run out there and kill somebody or something. Or unless you're under an influence or something, I'm guessing. Now you got a problem. Yeah, you For I'd sure. Imagine. I'd imagine. For sure. So... So, <clears throat> you get you get back going. Yeah. And now, do they get, get you back on Myers, or where do they put you? I'm all over the place. I'm on Grand River. I'm on Finkel. I'm on Joy Road. I'm on Tyrman, Southfield. I'm all over the place. Because I, I didn't like, I don't want to be in the same route every day. Why not? I like moving around. Okay. I don't want to see the same routes every day. Mm-hmm. I want to see something different. Okay. All right, and, and and the reason I always wanted to interview the bus driver is because I assume you're seeing things in Detroit, especially somebody like you. You lived here so long. How much did you discover on that bus route just as you were driving through? Well, you get you get a feel for the people and how ignorant some people can be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just can't even believe it. It's like, I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. <coughs> this guy can't be acting that stupid. Come on. Mm-hmm. Cut me some slack, will you? Yep. Yeah, it's always, you know, I mean, I had some pretty wild adventures on the bus. You know, you people tell them what they're going to do. I'm going to come up there and slap them glasses off your face. Mm-hmm. I tell him, I say, okay, when you come up here, I want everybody else on this bus to get real low in the seat. 
<laughs> it ain't gonna be pretty. <laughs> okay. I am not gonna let you take me out. Yep. And back then, <laughs> drivers are not supposed to carry firearms. Mm-hmm. You believe that? Hey, I, I, a rule is a rule. I, I mean, sometimes people break them. You know what I'm oh, saying? Hey, that's all I'm saying. You gotta, you gotta go with what you know. <coughs> You got to be protected how you protect. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, yeah, everybody, I mean, you know, you walk through the terminal, you see all kind of pistols hanging out of their back pockets. So, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody's going out there, you know, okay, yeah, you, you know, you just, uh, just abuse me, slap me around, talk to me any old kind of way, and I'm going to take it. Hmm. But I'm guessing as, as the... It's probably like crazy stories, and oh. you probably seen also some of the more just interesting things too. You probably on the bus, like I can only imagine. Like, were there like for different routes? Was it like a different feel for different routes? Yes. Like driving the Dexter. Because I mean, I, I rode the Dexter a lot. You oh know my god! I think it was maybe a couple years of my life where it seemed like that sixteen to me was <laughs> Dexter. Wow. Dexter, Woodward, mm-hmm. those are your real crazy lines, especially oh. Woodward. Okay. I, I can see Woodward. Yeah, Woodward is just, that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, and I used to work night cars, you know, go to work at 8 o'clock at night and get off at 4 in the morning, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All night long, I'm picking up all these weird people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm picking up all kind of folk, man. <coughs> Because I also figure the Woodward bus is the bus that, no matter what, I knew if I got to a terminal, a Woodward's going to come. Yeah. Any of the other ones, it's like, eh, especially like some of the other neighborhood, like it's, it, it just isn't going to be as fluid. If I want to hop to Finkel, eh, you know, it's no telling how it? consistent that's going to be. Gonna be a, it's going to be a while. I may wait a while. If, if I want to hop to the Woodward, I assume every 15 minutes. Something coming it's a through. 53 coming at. Oh, you know the numbers too. Huh? Okay, all oh, right. Oh man, I I was I was a bus rider. You know what I'm saying? I remember <coughs> I remember some of the first times taking a bus back in high school. It was so weird. My friend could just look at the top of the bus and could tell what it was. And I was like, how do you do that? Okay. And then it took like about three months. I was one of them people like, oh, that's the Hamilton. Right. <laughs> you know exactly what just it is. Just from like the top of the bus, I know. Yep. And it's so weird because it's like it's basically the same bus, but it's just enough. Without even seeing the number, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, yep. that's a seven mile. <laughs> like, that ain't us, <laughs> you know? Yeah, what the, uh, yeah, I, I watched Detroit go, I mean, it was much better back in the day, but I left here in 65. I live in Florida now. In 15, 15. At 65, you left, but in 2015. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I left 2015 I, at age 65. So, um, with it, what what years were you driving? It had to be seventy three to like eighty five. Okay, so you were there even before I remember the classic uh, Coleman Young debate, where he uh, had all the city council ride the bus with him because he said there's enough money, and he was like, "All right, well then, this is what we gonna do? We all gonna ride the bus together." Yeah. And then they got off the bus and said, "Yep, we need to give more money to D dot immediately." So it was like a big push uh, then, 
And I want to say, what was that, late 70s? That, you know, was, classic like, Kobe. Like you know? early, early 80s, I believe. Because mm-hmm. okay. what happened was, <clears throat> when I left the bus in 85, mm-hmm. yeah, 85, I left the bus and I went into the computer area. Okay. Okay. So I'm still working for DDAT. Mm-hmm. But they had some computers that and I was running and all Systems. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I did that. And then I moved up the ladder, and I'm now I'm managing the computer area. So I get to sit in on the staff meetings. Okay. And that's when I think Chris Walton was the director of DOT then. Mm-hmm. And he says, I want all you, all you managers and all you guys in this room now. I want you to start taking the bus. I'm looking at him like, you got to be out of his mind. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting up here with a suit and tie and a Rolex watch, and you want me on a bus? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that, boss. <laughs> I'm sorry. You used to be a bus driver. I know. I'm not going to get in that jungle. Mm-hmm. So he and I had a few tough at it, but, I mean, eventually he gave it up because nobody mm-hmm. wanted to do that. Yeah. I mean, what would that do for anybody? Well, I think for elected officials that were thinking about defunding uh, DDOT, it makes sense because it gives like a pulse of like where things are at. Not to consistently do it. I don't know. I, I I'm one to think that if you work for D dot, you should at least take the bus a little. Like you should have a perspective of it. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in if this is what you're serving to others, you should experience that. Okay. But you I know. just I, I, I had done but it. now the difference for you is you were actually I had, a driver. I had already done all you of know. that. But if you were just like a, a kid from college, you know, working in administration, haven't taken a, a bus since maybe a school bus. That's what which I'm is talking a whole about. Different experience. Yes. I think that, that, that that's different. Right. You know. Um and it's a lot of people that work in spaces that really are disconnected from from what they actually should be. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, you know, I, I could I'd lose count on how many times we had staff meetings. And I would say something from a driver's perspective. Mm-hmm. And they would look at me like I had done something wrong. I said, listen, guys, I don't see no airplanes out there. This ain't American Airlines. Mm-hmm. This is a bus outfit. And I'm telling you what need to happen. Yeah. Went right over the head. So, and, and then you're, you're like the 70s, early 80s. So that gives a whole different scope of those rides yes sir you know um and and then even the stops and things like that Mm -hmm. what was um as i say like the different routes i'm guessing have a different culture you saw different riders um in in schools because that i mean that's usually when we go back and forth with bus drivers just kids playing on the bus acting the fool on the bus right that that was that took you know that all the time I, you I understand. Know. I get that. And um, and with that, though, there still were a lot of, um, I remember, it, it's a lot of people that just don't drive. Right. For whatever reason. And, and these people, like, are consistent. Like, you know, they just take the bus. They're a captive audience. Yeah. They never take a car. They, yeah. they always own the bus. Yeah. And they're captive. If you mistreat them, they're coming back anyway because they don't have another way. Yep. So yeah, I had I had that conversation with a lot of directors in and out of DOT. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them listened and paid attention to what was going on. Mm-hmm. 
others, oh, Chuck, there you go thinking like a bus driver. And I said, man, come on. It, 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 was, <laughs> it was weird because though that captive audience kind of is unique. That captive audience kind of tempered us as kids sometimes taking a bus mm -hmm. in our behavior. Because we yes. knew it's like, we know she's serious. She really got to get over here to Providence. Yes. We just wasting time going to Northland. So her attitude kind of like from the bus stop on, it was unique. It's like kind of like the bus stop attitude impacted even how we were going to get on the ride. Exactly. You know, because it went from stop to bus and if you had somebody at the stop that was chill usually the bus ride would be like we we would be, okay. be real tempered you know um and, and, and in that like why do you think because this is one of those discussions i always have like as they put bike lanes here and all of that and we still have such a strong riding populace what are some of the things that could happen at a bus stop that you think could 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 make them I don't even want to say safer, but could could heighten the could could help the experience of the bus ride. Well, one thing about it, if if you're gonna run a bus route and you're gonna say it's gonna be there every 15 minutes, and here it come up 45 minutes. Yeah, you know everybody's mad then. You you got that right. So you got you know if you if you're gonna do it, go ahead and do it. If mm -hmm. you're not, then say so. Mm -hmm. And people will kind of make other arrangements if they have to so that was that was that was one of the things I, I believed in you telling me that the bus gonna be here at 652 don't tell me that tell me that the bus is gonna run every 15 minutes so if I run out the door and I see one go by I know I got a 15 minute wait for the next one mm -hmm. just give me that and I'll be okay don't tell me it's gonna be and it's not gonna be there at 652 Mm -hmm. It's going to be at 7.32. Mm -hmm. So what did you do to me? We had people lose their jobs over us, man. Hmm. Got to work. Boss said, hey, man, you've been late too many times. Yeah. You got to go. That's right. And the yeah. guy come out. He come out from the hospital. He's working at receiving hospital. He come back on the bus. He all broke down, man, because he just lost his gig because I didn't get him there on time. That's a tough back and forth right there, man. Yes, it is. So it's like, come on, guys, we got to do better than this. Mm -hmm. We got, you know, we got a captive audience. And you're constantly abusing them. Mm -hmm. <coughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Let's, let's, we can do better. So what are the, so in what ways, because I assume with buses, because I, I remember some of those long waits, and then they would stack up. So I would say, like, usually... It's like, all right, if it's stacking up like that, what I'll do is I'll just wait a second because I know it's going to be like an empty 16th Dexter coming, like almost like right behind this one. Right. It's all crop people hanging off the mirrors. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll wait a few more minutes. I have a seat. I have an empty. Yeah. It'll be like me yeah. and nobody else on the bus. Yes. You know, I know, you know, you, 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 you pick up this logic, but I assume it'd be like a bottleneck because something is going on someplace else. Maybe a bus needs to be repaired. Maybe an incident happened on the bus. You yeah. know, you, you know that's happened before. If that ever has happened, then you're a bus rider. It's one of the worst things ever. Like when something tragic happens, like a health. Usually, it's never like a fight. You know that can't happen. But usually, it's like somebody like oh, you know, I was on a bus ride. I think somebody had like a diabetic um, seizure. Seizure, right? 
and and that's a real medical like you know it's a medical emergency you got to get this person off the bus exactly so that's stopping waiting on, waiting on EMS. ems and now it's like all right do i want to get off the bus <laughs> pay again <laughs> <laughs> think that the other bus is going to catch up or do I not but that those types of things are the things that cause that bottleneck because it was usually the medical emergencies were the biggest stops that I've ever seen okay I mean I may have saw like one fight or two where like the cops you know they it's like they say you know the driver got that button up there where he can call the cops right right you know? And, and I don't know what's what's real or not but you know I saw that button made yeah, because, yeah, it was you know, it was a button there but I don't know sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't yeah but it was usually the medical emergencies. Well, so, sometimes we had gotten into, you know, we had gotten real soft with, with maintenance on the buses. And that that was one of the other things. I forgot that one. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah, how could you forget that? Out. Oh, yeah. Man. Or we had, I mean, you know, it's like, come on, guys. The bus with no AC and then you sitting in the back right under the engine because you cool. You want to sit in the back right. of the bus. <laughs> I tell you, you know, um, I said, guys, you know, if we're gonna maintain these buses, we need to do something a little bit different. They said, what you gonna, what are you, what are you suggesting? I said, let's go to, let's go to UPS. Mm-hmm. They run the tightest ship in the shipping business. Yeah. When the last time you seen one broke down? When the last time you seen one very, dirty even? Very, very rare. Very. So rare. let's go see how the mechanics are maintaining all this gear. They got everything from vans to mini cars and all sorts of stuff. 747 jets, they got it all. And it's rolling. It's not sitting up broke down. So we go there. Mm -hmm. The way they work it, a mechanic has bus number one, five, and seven. Mm -hmm. Those belong to him. Mm -hmm. If something goes wrong with those buses, there he is. Mm You go check him, say, man, hold on, what you doing here? And then they had incentives. Whereas, you know, if a guy was off from he'd be, he'd be off from work mm-hmm. and riding down the street and see, you know, see UPS truck number one, two, three, and it's his truck, he look at it and say, oh, well, I see that wheel wobbling a little bit. When I get to work tomorrow, I'm going to fix it. Those are the kind of things that you, 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 you keep it moving because rolling stock is just that. It's rolling. Mm-hmm. You got to maintain it. So... We didn't. We didn't learn our lesson, and I don't think they've learned it yet. It's um, last I talked to some of the people at D dot. It, it's definitely been some, some changes as as transportation itself right now is moving into a world they call it mobility. Like that's right. the term that they're that's being used. Where you know it's it's ideas and models from um, like Detroit even has a mobility officer from like Denver and places like where you like mix your bike ride with uber ride with a bus ride and you know it's like okay the 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 best route of mobility for whomever this person is and maybe even your car like like you mix all mediums and can get where you need to go you know maybe you hop on a scooter it's unique because it's like pieces and spaces where i don't know necessarily how um the 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 bus riding population here in the city of Detroit, which is actually a bus riders union here now, uh, so shout out to that group. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know how that all connects where the bus riders have access to the the technology and a lot of these outlets to connect all this mobility. Well, 
yeah, they they've come a, a ways with that. Mm-hmm. Um, vehicle locator systems and all that, where you can see where the bus actually is. Yeah, that it, it's a it's a. I, I took the <coughs> bus last that last week. Yeah, last week I took the bus, and I was thinking I just had to get down to, to the shop. I, my my car needs repairs. Like I had a small accident and just the other things in the auto industry it's like oh everything's on back order so it's like okay i had to get the rent a car and to get the rent a car yeah. i'm so used to rent a car places you know picking me up from wherever and the enterprise was like we don't do that anymore post covid yeah, i was yeah, like well yeah. i'm gonna just go and hop this eight mile right and just stay straight down eight mile you know but it was unique because i haven't been on the bus since like since george w bush was in office Ooh. so it was unique just like Seeing like some of the flow because there was a couple of riders that hooked their their bikes onto the bus. To the front, right. Um, you know uh, the the what I did notice was like I pulled the string, which this sometimes happened back in the day. Sometimes like um, you know it get on the flow of like you pull the string and if the bus was at the stop, they you know let you out. Right. The bus driver didn't stop until he actually got to a bus stop, which that probably may be the real rule. That but is I also the rule. used to I also used to a bus driver being cool. To the ride, you know what I'm saying? Right. And then you'd be like, back door, you know, and then you get off right. at the street you want to get off instead of until, waiting to the next until stop. Until he stops for you and somebody rear ends him, <laughs> and now he in trouble for <laughs> stopping where it wasn't a bus stop. Okay, okay. All right, so for all those bus drivers that looked out for me, <laughs> hey, thank you, Dexter bus drivers yeah. that knew I, I wanted yeah. to stop right there right <laughs> where I wanted to stop instead of waiting to take me to the next stop, which mm. is a couple blocks up, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to. Try to get right where I need to go. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> now, that actually is an efficiency rule because if you stop yeah. where you stops, you know. If somebody running to the back of the bus. Yeah. The bus driver, you know, he's going to get a little heat. Well, we had a bus stop? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, we, we'll take that. That that makes sense. Okay. So, yeah, and I was like, ah, that was kind of aggravating because the Enterprise is like, you know, maybe about a block and a half away. And, you know, it's eight miles. So, you yeah. know, I can walk. But it's like, right. hey, my G, what's going on, man? That's so, right. But it was cool. It was cool. So, uh, but it, it, it was it's different. It's different. First off, very small. Um, I don't know if I think. Uh, there are there are other connections. They have that fast bus now, where it combines like Smart and D Dot, where it like connects um, the the like the transfer portal. Because there are still a lot of people that live in Detroit but work in the suburbs. There, right. So this is where that connects. Hence right. those uh, busing terminals, which the busing terminal experience is another thing that most bus drivers know. You know, and even hopping on the bus that day, even though I'm not even an active bus driver, the lady was like. I gotta get to the uh, state fair. And I'm like, oh yeah, you definitely gonna get to state fair. That's that's the main terminal, right? Now. You know, well, you get there. Yeah, it's uh, it was unique. Uh, that that terminal that used to be like on the back half of Grand River, you know, it's so unique because that back whole area right River? now is Which one? The, the, the downtown? downtown. Yep, that Red whole Circus. area now is like uh you know, like a prized real estate and so developed. But I remember back when that was a bus terminal back. Oh, they had the Grand River. They had four or five buses that stopped in there. Yeah, it, it that was one of the, that was a place where it was like, I'm not going, I'm going to wait till the bus gets out that terminal Okay. to get there because that terminal is not, it don't seem like the safest place No, to be. it was not. <laughs> <coughs> so, 
you know, and different things, even the Rosa Parks terminal now and, yeah. and what what's happened with that and that space, you know, and just being a central place for people to get a lot of uh you know, when when I got my little cousin some uh, a lot of bus passes and stuff in her bus car. Okay. Um you know, it you know, the transportation industry I think has has transitioned. You know, and that's where like some of these stories are, are so unique. What are what are some of the most what's some of the strangest things you've seen a person bring on the bus to, for a ride? You mean to try to pay for a No, no, just like just like TV, uh furniture, uh Oh, oh those clowns. Okay, yeah. I got you, I got you. Like use the bus as transportation for not just them as a person, right. but I'm bringing I'm bringing on this chair or whatever. Yeah, what's what's some of the strangest stuff you've seen? Well, I I, I saw a few attempts. Okay, but I wasn't you know, my bus. Okay, what was it's the like most? You ain't doing this. What's the most unique you t- attempt? Like a small, what they call it? A, like a small couch. Oh, so real furniture. Yeah, like man, where you going? And I'm assuming they'd be like, look, I'm just going like three blocks this way. So, sorry, dog. Ain't happening. And then it's like, I'll give you a little bit extra. I don't even want to hear about that. <laughs> All right. Other than that, I got to say, um, so other than that, I, I think that the next thing is um, the 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 strangest things to bring on the bus, also yeah. food as a rider. That would be one of the other things where it's like, man, why is they eating that on the bus? Like, this is, you and know, they, they what was your rule on, uh, what was your rule well, on? coming in with no food? <laughs> You gonna bring roaches on the bus, man? <laughs> you were that bus driving in, and I got to deal with them. Uh-uh. You, you were that bus driving in. Yes, sir. <laughs> you did have a lot of back and forth with people because yeah. bringing, bringing food, especially oh, kids. I mean, kids will bring yeah, yeah. everything from Coney Island. I assume on the bus. You know, yeah. so so in that, like, just even building that rapport. What was? How did you even stop some of that? Because I assume kids would, you know, I, I, listen. A rule is a rule, and what I say goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to f- argue about it, we can argue, but you're going to lose mm-hmm. because I'm not letting you on here with that. Because that definitely is getting left on that seat. As That's right. As- you're not going to have a decent seat to pick it up and take it with you. Mm-hmm. You're going to leave it right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, ri- I'm riding on the street, and roaches running all up and down. I don't know. Uh-uh, I ain't doing it. Okay, okay. Um what are what are other bus bus questions that I had? Um, did you ever laugh at like some of the jokes that people were making back and forth? Like, were you that bus driver too? Because I assume some sometimes you you hear stuff that's it's funny, like incredible, all the time. Ain't <laughs> be laughing so hard you don't even know what to do. <laughs> I, t- I told one lady she she's on the bus and it was an older lady. It's in the winter time. Mm-hmm. And when, in the wintertime, when it snows, everybody kicks their feet in snow right there in the front door. Yes. So she gets up to get out to go out the front. I said, listen, I said, ma'am, you may want to um, go out the back door because it's kind of slippery right here. Man, she gave me the dirty look and started cousin going on. So mm-hmm. she hit that first step and flew out that door. <laughs> All I did, I just cut the wheel and eased off. That's hilarious. I was laughing so hard. That's hilarious. I know the bus was probably cracking up. Everybody. <laughs> I warned us, lady, you don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, because that I, those snow days, 
yeah, you all will be a godsend on those snow days. Yes. I think one of the worst snowstorms, and I don't know why. I, did, I know why I went to school because my friends was going to school. Girl, I like was going to school. So yeah, I was like, I'll go to them. school. And ah, oh, man, that was a bad decision. Cause yeah, waiting on, yeah, when it, snowstorm. It's like you think Timberlands can protect your toes. No, you getting colder and yes, colder and yes. colder. Then you see that bus hit that corner, and it's like, hey, I don't care what number it is. I'm about to hop. I'm up getting on this bad boy. I don't yeah, care I'm getting, what it is. Yeah, I'm getting on uh, whatever. As long as it ain't going down river or something, you know. Right. As long as it's not a Southwest bus. As long as I'm it on wasn't it. one of them smart buses. Yes. If it was going your way, I'll take it. Exactly. So that, yeah, the 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 winter ride was was always something a, else. Yep, yeah. and then it would be weird because it's like that heat starts hitting you from the top of the bus, but your feet still cold because nothing really getting <laughs> getting out there. But you be burning up and cold and burning right. up and cold. Yeah, man, I remember those days. Um, and then you said you worked more with the with the planning and the computer part of it. Yes, as time went on. That's right. So, right. like, did you change? Like, as I guess you would have been there at a unique time. Uh, were you change? Did the city start changing the routes as population started shifting, as yeah, neighborhoods they, started? There was a time when we had what they call, they tried what they call coach-responsive scheduling, which means if if we write a schedule and it calls for 400, 400 buses, mm-hmm. and we know based on our history that we can't get 400. Mm-hmm. You can only get 350. So then they go back and modify the schedules to deal with the 350. Hmm. I'm like, guys, you're going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. If you got a demand for 400, you better try like hell to get 400 out of here. Hmm. I don't care what you got to do. Hmm. Make it right for the people. Mm-hmm. Coach responsive scheduling, the buses started going down, 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 down. I'm going to say this, and I, and I said it before. DOT destroyed downtown Detroit. It's our fault. Expand. Expand on it. The bus service went from let's get out of here downtown to we can't even get out of downtown. We'd get people downtown to work, and when it came time for them to go home, they just stood out there and wait, watch bus after bus go by because it was too full. Mm-hmm. So people started, hey, the businesses said we we can't do this no more. Mm-hmm. So they up and left. Mm. You ever you ever been to Chicago? Yeah. Four o'clock in the afternoon, four thirty. If you cross in Michigan Avenue and you trip and fall, a bus gonna run over you. <laughs> you right though. Because they they back you to right. back to back to back and they roll. Right. You right. And then they got the L. They got everything going. Yeah. Even New York, it's like move it. It's so consistent. Please don't go to Toronto. Mm. Toronto is the, the premier. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, they are. Toronto is one of my favorite cities. I haven't paid attention. I've taken the city bus in Toronto because one of the people, you know, people I know are like, hey, just take the bus. And it's like, for real, right. y'all take the Nobody bus? Nobody need a like, car. Yeah, yeah. car for. Mm-hmm. They got buses. They got people movers. They got trolleys. They got heavy rail trains. They got mm-hmm. everything moving people in and out. out. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. So, so you said the the buses were destroying, like D, DOT was destroying downtown because you had so many people that were at the demand was stops. there and we didn't meet the demand, and that was connected to the uh, the coach response, coach responsive scheduling. 
who when did the city make the decision that that's not the correct thing to do because i'm guessing you were the main one saying that even that before don't it started work, guys. so i you know I, I i would say what i had to say and that i would just leave it there mm-hmm. sometimes you know sometimes i could sideline somebody and we would talk about it and then they say yeah it makes sense and mm-hmm. i told him i said you know you got you got smart the other the competition out here eating up some of your rides too yeah. Get them out of your pocket. Because I was wondering, your money. when did Smart start, uh, when did that regional, uh, yeah, when did Smart start making that transition into the city? Because I always looked at that as like a, a a suburban entity, you know. It was an overreach. They had no business doing it, but they did it. When did that happen? Late 80, early 90. Hmm. What? What? How did? How did? Was it just like in that transition of power as Coleman Young was getting out of office? What we couldn't, we couldn't meet the man, the demand. So hmm. Smart got in the business, said, "Well, we'll pick up some of your people." And I told him, "I said, you know, we can run them right out of business." He said, "How?" I said, "We'll lower our fare and mm-hmm. let them try to lower theirs. Mm-hmm. They can't keep up. Yeah, we'll run them right out. But if you do that." You gotta improve your service. Yeah. And if you improve the service, you'll pick the people. If you, if the, if the service there, people will ride. But if they know it ain't coming, they ain't going out there. Yeah, cause, cause I mean, it's the tree. Like I tell most people from out of town, I look at Detroit like a tree. It's like you got Woodward. It's got spokes. You got it's like a wheel. Grand River. You got Gratiot, and then from there, like even when I think of like mass transit like if you could get those three lines to go i don't know 12 miles out out and back yes it solves so many different things you can make it you know and maybe stops even every even if the stop was every three miles you know people are still express service you remember back in the day the express buses Mm -hmm. the grand river express i I remember way out to farmington that came in Hey, and that's kind of where the fast is looking to pick back up with. See, you know? that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess that's the other thing. From taking the bus, it's like I learned other nooks and crannies around the city. As a bus driver, I assume you probably know, even though, you know, you ain't been going that long, but you probably learn more tr- patterns of how to go in traffic jams and all that stuff oh, throughout yeah, the yeah. city, like, like the back of your mind now. Like a person can oh, kind of yeah. name a street and you like, oh, that's, I know exactly where that's at. Yeah, go this way. Stay out of there. Right. You know, I do, as we come to a close, I got I got one question because when I talked to even to the mobility officer, it was it was a unique thing. Because you have Highland Park and Hamtramck in the middle of the city of Detroit. They're the capital of Detroit. That's what I call them. they surrounded by Detroit. So being surrounded by Detroit, what was the when you all spoke about transportation because that that was one of the things that you know when i was meeting with the mobility guy i'm like what about if if woodward's going to be used as a thoroughfare like we got to think that woodward goes right through highland park but like right through it so when were there negotiations because technically both those cities don't have like the detroit bus i assume serves as their bus exactly what was the relationship there we had a, we had a decent relationship with them Mm-hmm. Because they were part and parcel, mm-hmm. we drove right through them. Mm-hmm. They were surrounded by us. Yeah, how are you gonna get away from that? You're so, not on the outskirts, on the edge. 
you in the middle. You surrounded by Detroit. Where you going? All right, let's go. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. All right, so at this very end, uh, classic Detroit is different questions. First car, year making model, what year you get it? Say that again. Your very first car, your year, the year, the the make, the model, and the year you got it. I got it in nineteen sixty six. Mm-hmm. It was a fifty nine Ford Fairlane four door. I've never even even. Ooh, I don't and even it was know. sitting on four flat up. tires in my grandfather's garage. I never knew Ford had a Fairlane yeah. car. Yeah. So obviously that existed possibly before the mall. Fifty nine. Mm, okay. Yes, sir. Now I got it. And wasn't no it. such thing as a the electric swap pump the, to, to pump the air in the tire? Yeah. Oh man. Three of them was flat. Flat and the whole beer. I, I figure I figure you yo you you focused in on that strength to do that one. It's like to get off to he get off this, your heels. He said, This is yours and don't ask me about nothing else. Okay. Where's the first place you went when you uh I guess put the air back in? Back back over to my buddy's house. Okay. They were waiting on me. Okay. And we got in there, man, and rode, rode, rode. Okay. Okay. Um, you DJing at the end of the fireworks, Woodward and Jefferson. You get to play three songs. What songs you playing? Hmm. DJing at the fireworks, and I'm playing three songs. Yep. I'm going to play some Sade. Okay. Which songs? Trying to think of the name of the song now. Give me a minute. Mm. Any of them. Okay. It don't even matter. So smooth operator. There you uh, go. Is it a crime? Especially that one. <laughs> Especially that one. Okay. And uh very last one. If you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? One Detroiter? Yep. Coleman AM. Why? Coleman did his best to give people of color a shot at running this city. Mm-hmm. And we didn't make it. Mm. That's deep. That's deep. I do want you to expand, but I'm going to definitely get you back, and I'm going to have you expand on that point. Okay, yeah, because that's a good one. Because he, see, he was from Black Bottom, too. Definitely. He was from Alabama originally, but yes, Black right. Bottom is where. So he knows what we could do. Mm-hmm. And when he got to be the mayor, he said, okay, guys, it's our, it's our turn. Mm-hmm. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And some of us took the 80-20 route. 20% of us were doing 80% of the work. Mm. You can't work like that. Yeah. We needed some more bodies to push push the load. And we didn't pick it up. That's so deep. we lost it. That's deep. And now you go downtown, what do you see? <clears throat> well... Mr. Wilson, thank you so much <laughs> on this interview. I'm going to look to, because I know some people at DDOT now. Okay. I'm going to definitely pass this interview along because I know you got some game that you probably can share because the streets are still the same. I know. And uh, the busing system definitely is still the bus riders work. union. It's some love needed there. Yeah. 
some love needed there. Without a doubt. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your time. Yep. Detroit is Different is where you get information, <laughs> artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.